This is Victoria Cartagena. I play Renee Montoya on Gotham, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Hey, this is Andrew Stewart-Jones. I play Christmas Allen on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. How would Alfred deal with these two visitors to Gotham from Ireland? Well, I mean, first of all, how did he get to the ghoul? And, uh, and secondly, I, I'd grasp you firmly by the elbow, and I'd walk you very smartly to the gates, and I might even show you my commando knife. How's that? <laughs> you could set the dogs on us as well. Yeah, well, no, I don't need dogs, mate. Hi there, this is Derek. Hi, this is John from Gotham TV Podcast. Just wanted to give you a quick intro to this week's episode. We had recorded this episode ready to go and got a very lucky opportunity to speak to Sean Pertwee uh, last minute. So um, you may have seen that episode come up in your feed, but we had really good fun interviewing Sean Pertwee and wanted to get that interview up as quickly as possible. So we pushed back this episode um, where we talk about Gotham, the first 10 episodes of it and what we're looking forward to in the future. Yeah, we've called it the European Roundtable. That's mainly because it's um, the perspective from this side of the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. But um, we hope you enjoy. In the Sean Pertwee interview as well, we introduced at the end of that um, a competition. It's our first year anniversary of podcasting. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to thank all the listeners to the podcast and all the followers uh, on Facebook and Twitter. A big thank you for all that support and for all the downloads. And we hope you're still enjoying the show. Do you want to give a bit more detail about the competition itself, John? Sure. To enter the competition, it's open to anyone. It will run till the end of Gotham on 5. The competition is to leave a review with us on iTunes. You can go to gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes um, and leave a review there. You can also leave a review on Stitcher if you want to. Um, But also you can leave feedback on any of the episodes of Gotham as well. And if we discuss them on air, they will also go into the hat. And you can leave feedback at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. You can also t- tweet us. You can also comment in our Facebook as well. So all different routes for comments or Absolutely. reviews are more than acceptable, obviously. Yep. Um, and the competition essentially will run, till the, as I said, to the end of the series of Gotham. And then we will draw uh, a winner from the hat on our final episode, um, review episode of Gotham. Yep, yep. So I think we believe that Gotham's coming back to five uh, towards the end of March. And from that point onward, there'll be 12 episodes to the end of the season. So you've got about 14 weeks probably to get your feedback in and get a, get a review in on iTunes uh, in whatever country you're in. Uh, as John said, go to gothamtvpodcast.com slash iTunes to go to the iTunes account and leave your, you leave your review there. Uh, if you're leaving it in your own country and you're not in America or in Ireland, where we, uh, where we generally pick up our reviews, just pop us an email to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com in case we've missed uh, your review. But uh, other than that, looking forward to, uh, to it. The competition is to win a, uh, a signed print of a picture of Oswald Cobblepot. Um, really by, looks like Robin Lord Taylor. Yeah, um, by Christopher Aminga. Yeah. Um, and there'll be some other goodies as well that we won't necessarily um, share at the moment, but mm-hmm. we think they're worthwhile. Definitely. And it's open anywhere worldwide. Uh, pop onto the website, you'll see an image of the uh, of the Oswald Cobblepot picture. Um, that's the first thing that we've got up there. Uh, have a look and, uh, and see if you'll look forward to that. Uh, one of the things we, we have introduced in this episode um, is 
Chris and Irene, who are both uh, both two of our friends who are joining us for this podcast. Um, they will be joining us for our, our brother podcast, I suppose you'd call it, which is uh, the Fenders TV podcast, a podcast about the Netflix uh, Marvel TV shows. Um, we've had a couple of episodes up, so you can go find those episodes at DefendersTVPodcast.com or on iTunes. Again, DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes. Uh, you can see our first two episodes where we talk about the trailer and we talk about our ideas of what we're going to see on, on the Daredevil TV show, which is the first of the Netflix shows. Uh, we did see some footage at New York Comic Con last year, which we speak about uh, on those episodes. But uh, hopefully you'll join us. Yeah, we'll also be covering over the course of the coming years, a.k.a. Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and obviously leading into the Defenders miniseries. Mm-hmm. So it should all be good fun. Um, as I say, it's our brother podcast to Gotham. It's the Marvel to the DC. Yep. Um, and you can also follow us on Twitter there as well, at DefendersCast. That's it. So just search at DefendersCast and you can follow us there as well. Yep. So hopefully you enjoy this introduction to our full cast for the Defenders TV podcast, which is myself, John, Irene and Chris. Yeah. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, and welcome back to Gotham TV Podcast. I'm Derek, one of your hosts. Hi, I'm John. And we're on this episode of Gotham TV Podcast. We're joined by two friends to talk about Gotham for a European podcast roundtable. A smorgasbord, if you will. So first up joining us, we have Irene. Irene, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Irene. Um, Long-time listener, first-time talker. Um, I'm going to be part of the Defenders TV Podcast starting in April with uh, John Derek as well, and... Um, I'm on Twitter at ALB, A-I-L-B-Y. Thanks very much. And also joining us, we've got uh, we've got Chris. Good evening, or morning, uh, depending on where you're listening. I'm Chris. I also co-write um, The Effect.net, www.TheEffect.net. Just getting my plugs in now. Absolutely. Do and it. you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Chris underscore Jones. Well, welcome on board, guys. Uh, for this episode, we're going to be talking about what we liked about Gotham so far uh, and what we're hoping for for the next uh, next half of the season. So, as we've said before, the first half of the season, the uh, first 10 episodes are broadcasted in the UK and Ireland uh, on Channel 5. The series will be coming back towards the end of March. What we're going to be doing this time is talking about our favourite points of the show. Uh, so, we're going to start off with our uh, with our number one point. So, Irene, do you want to give us what your first thought of uh, of Gotham is? What's your what's your first favourite point of Gotham? My first favourite point <laughs> is um, the Viper episode. I just oh thought my. that stood out for me in the first ten. Excellent. As being just perfect from start to finish. So that was brilliant. What, what, what kind of elements of the, of the episode would, you, would make it better than the other episodes, I suppose? Um, I think from the way it started, kind of set up the story really properly. Like, time-wise, you weren't going, there should have been more on that, or that bit went on a bit long, or that scene could have been gotten rid of, or, you know. Yeah. And then at the end, there was Bruce talking to the Wayne board, and, yes. you know, it was just, it's like had bits from everybody, and it kind of progressed all the bits of the storyline. You're going to hope it keeps going like this now for the rest of the other five. Yeah, great episode. Really, really good episode. Um, John, what's your uh, what's your first point about Gotham? I was just going to say, I really like the, the Bruce Wayne um, and Wayne Enterprises, that whole thing from the Viper as well. I thought that was really good. And just it teased the darker side to Wayne Enterprises with the whole the Viper drug and so on. So that was, yeah, that, that really set up a lot of intrigue there, which I, I liked as well. But um, 
just that dark tone of the show, I've really enjoyed that. It's certainly more violent than I thought um, it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the fact that the Wayne's murder in episode one had blood. I mean, sometimes it's kind of sanitized loads. Um, but this was much more violent than I, I thought it was going to be. And I think that's down to sort of the op- opening tone set by Danny Cannon. Mm-hmm. And even just the tracking shots of the city of New York standing in as Gotham is gives it a real sort of scale. So I really like that. Um, and I think linked in with this, and this is my kind of feeling, is that I like the, the modern hints. Um, I would say maybe like a, an homage to Batman 66 that they have in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, I think Harvey Bullock's kind of phrases, like he says, you're a monkey riding on a racehorse is one of them. <laughs> yeah. what um, to stuff. me, it's kind of like the Robins, holy you know, blah, 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 Batman. And um, it's like that back to Batman 66. And especially that one from the spirit of the goat where he goes, holy ghost on a bicycle. It really ties in nicely. And I think there's some other moments that are modern twists on what Batman 66 does, like Penguin with his cannoli and it's poisoned, or the good old sort of ticking time bomb <laughs> from um, Penguin's umbra- umbrella. These, for me, have really worked because they've been handled really kind of freshly and, and in a modern way. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's, we have a slightly different opinion on uh, on some of these, uh, as, as some of our listeners will have heard. Uh, I definitely think the ticking time bomb that looked like something out of a uh, out of a packet in the 60s, um, uh, out of, out of a, the studio system in the 60s, it just felt so wrong and so out of place in, in the episodes. But, I loved it. But yeah, yeah. Retro yeah, chic, so, uh, I thought. It's kind of good in a way, though, because it breaks it up. Like, you know, the um, is it episode nine, mm-hmm. where they're at the armory? And it's really serious, yeah. and it's like you know, the face off with the guns, and then it's like this ridiculous music, and you're going, "What the fuck is that going for?" And it's like, "Oh, it's, something's going to blow." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it, uh, Chris. What's your uh, what's your thoughts? Um, okay, taking to what John said, I'm going to go first. Part is the actual visual style. Mm-hmm. So you've kind of got this roaring twenties kind of Gotham, but then you've got an element of Blade Runner-esque parts on it on top as right, well, right. Um, which sometimes can detract, but I think it brings more to it in, in the end. So I think it will, it will hurt back to the Viper episode, where you see there's like two 1920 cars mm-hmm. when you first see the Viper, when the Doctor first gives the Viper drug, and then you see Bullock and stuff in their standard kind of almost... Uh, kind of Blade Runner-esque kind of suit with the, the Mac on top as well. And yep. I'm going, okay, well, that's what we want. You want this dirty, grimy city, but then when they kind of go to other elements, it's all very posh, upscale, brownstone, New mm-hmm. York. Yeah. Uh, but then you go, and then you go back to the wharfs in, well, how many episodes you go to the wharf. Uh-huh. Um, you just expect fish guts to kind of fly somewhere through, <laughs> <laughs> like just like yeah, you, that's a dirty, dirty city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can definitely tell they've tell they've taken taken New York and used it to all its advantages. I've seen so many films that have used New York before, and particularly those settings. You know, considering there's going to be a lot of TV shows that are going to be using uh, New York as their background coming up. Um, I'm wondering how they're going to be able to use it as well as the guys in Gotham have used it. They can, they've really taken that city and turned it back into its dirty self. I think when uh, 
when Danny Cannon spoke to us about the show originally, he was saying that um, that it's it's a it's a New York that wasn't rejuvenated by introducing Giuliani. So essentially, this is what New York would be like if the seventies and eighties crime wave had continued all the way through to the nineties. That's why you're seeing a kind of a crossover and a period. Well, the homeless people were dead. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, so I think they've really accomplished that. Yeah, really really good point. And kind of still in my first point. My first point really about the show was the uh, the seventies kind of crime look. You can definitely tell. There's so so many great '70s movies that they've taken influence from, and it's really coming through. Stuff like you know, obviously Godfather and into the '80s with Goodfellas. You know, those kind of style of mafia uh, mafia shows, mafia movies. They've really taken that into the show. I think. There's that uh, timeless quality where, like, you have the period cars, or you have almost like a period kind of costume from '20s, '30s, or the '70s, mm-hmm. or or '80s, but it's mixed in with the mobile phone or the TV or whatever, yet they've got, you know, old phones on the desk in the precinct of the GCPD, but none of it feels out of place. It just feels part of that world. And yeah. It, it, it kind of works really Three well. Three OTVs in the apartments as well. Yeah. So you yeah. The, like two knobs at the bottom. Of it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The one, the one that Harvey almost got crushed by. Yeah. <laughs> the old ticking time bomb. Uh, yes. The okay. time right. <laughs> you will, you will convince me eventually. The ticking time bomb is the, the right one, I suppose. Um, Irene, have you got a, your, your second point? Um, I did like the relationship with Jim and Barbara, but mm-hmm. perversely, the reason I liked it is because it all went Harvey wrong. Right. Like by episode ten, obviously they're not really together. Mm. They're, he doesn't really seem to know where she is actually in episode ten. Yeah. I really liked the whole thing with her and Victor as well. Victor's that. Yeah. Um, but and kind of Jim's slow to react. Kind of he didn't seem that bothered. Like really, <laughs> uh, you know, you think he'd be frantic. Yeah. Like it was kind of like, oh yeah, that is a thing I have to do as well. But like in a minute, kind of thing. Right, right. I thought anyway. I thought it was good because it, like it, it was more realistic. I thought that they would completely grow apart, and she's she's in a different world. She's at home in the apartment waiting for him to come home, and then she's like wondering what's wrong with him when he comes home, and he can't tell her. He doesn't want to tell her about any of the stuff that he's going through or seeing during the day. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, an, it's a, a definitely an interesting relationship and very much a, a bone of contention with a lot of uh, a lot of listeners and viewers of the show. There's a there's a lot of criticism of the relationship between between Barbara and Jim um, over the course of the first season, isn't there? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, for me, because I know we're doing the three three things that we like and so on, but one of the things that I kind of felt sort of maybe slightly let down by it was the Barbara Keen Jim Gordon story, not because. They didn't seem to work individually, but I didn't get a sense of that connection. I, it wasn't. It was more down to how they were written. I thought you could have actually had uh, Barbara Keane's character in fewer episodes and made more of the episodes then that she was in. She seemed to kind of appear just in her apartment, m- not necessarily doing very much, and then. It all seemed well. A lot of drugs. And well, drinking, yeah, but, but... <laughs> then it, it just didn't seem to feel that her and Jim were connected enough so that all of a sudden they've kind of split up over something that maybe should have brought them together or, you know, she wanted to be involved in his line of work, then got a big shock when, obviously, Butch Gilzean comes in and there's Victor Zaz as well. I mean, they're great and they're great scenes, but then his response, as you say, Irene, was kind of like, 
didn't seem that concerned, really. He's more concerned when Bruce went missing. Yeah, and so <laughs> that to me just didn't work in in the way that I felt it should have done. I was hoping they would be sort of this focus of a romance, so that you know it's been teased that Marina Baccarat is going to come in as another love interest. That mm. that would have much more severe consequences for um for Barbara his Manning. relationship with with Barbara and the fact that they are um going to get married so and now it feels like if Dr. Leslie Tompkins does come in that that's perfectly acceptable because it's all sort of finished and over and done with mm. that drama of that has kind of gone really so yeah. I'm slightly let down by that but I actually think individually both actors are great but it just didn't seem to connect with me. Right, right. What I know what you mean about the time thing. I thought it was a bit disproportionate for it. Like yeah. one, one, one minute he's not really that bothered and then he's trying to get her to leave Gotham and then, like, I don't know, it just yeah. kind of comes, seems to ebb and flow. Yeah, it was a bit confusing, kind of, in terms of emotionally, I think. But yeah. I know I know what you mean. I think there, there's probably quite a lot that was going on between the, between the two of them over the course of the episodes. And, and one of the elements that I feel is they probably didn't give enough time to Aaron Richards' screen time, I suppose, in episodes to, to justify. Like, if you think about it, started off moving to the city with her fiancé or moving back to the city with her fiancé. She rekindles an old relationship with uh, Rene Montoya. and yeah. um, It's quite a huge storyline, really. But um, realistically, over the course of the 10 episodes, it's probably only about 20 or 30 minutes of screen time that she got over the full course of that to tell a huge story of a breakup of a clearly loving relationship, a really supportive relationship as it starts out, and her moving back with her with her former, uh, former partner, Rene Montoya. And yeah, probably if they'd had a couple more little scenes here and there over the course of the series, it might have helped it. Yeah, that dynamic I really liked between um, Rene Montoya and Barbara Keane. Really enjoyed that. But again, it's not something that seemed to disturb or sort of get Jim down that much because he was immediately next onto another investigation or mm-hmm. he was concerned, you know, being chased down by Victor Zaz or something. That moment wasn't allowed to breathe within the show. And I think that was the kind of the, the problem for me with those more interpersonal relationships, they kind of got subsumed slightly by this week's investigation, maybe, you mm-hmm. could argue. Um, and I know that's been a problem for some people of the show, but that, for me, was just maybe not developed like it could have done to get the most dramatic effect from it. Right. I actually think it's been done well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, you were, Derek, you were saying it was like 20 minutes, 30 minutes of screen time. Mm-hmm. It's not the most important element of the Gotham okay so it's not the the Jim Gordon show Mm -hmm. it's the Gotham show and we know so they've teased that we're going to have a possible another love interest love interest love interest which any kind of diehard fan will know that there's a lore about this as well there's Mm -hmm. triangles there's breakups re-breakups get back together it it's going even if you go back to the Batman Year One, mm-hmm. which seems to be taking a lot of lore from, even with the kind of, and I'll get to my point as well later on, which is the Alfred, mm-hmm. Royal Marine Alfred seems to be pulled in there as well. Yeah. But with this one, they seem to be taking more of personal relationships will always play a back role to Gordon. Yeah, it will always be the first will come duty, mm-hmm. second will come the city. Third will come his own life. Yeah. And we do know that if probably down the line, based on, okay, he has to have 
Barbara Gordon 2.0, if you want to call her that, that their, their daughter, mm-hmm. who becomes Batgirl, then Oracle, and then Batgirl again. Mm-hmm. We all, so this will bring in, I'll discuss it later with one of my points, but we know there's, they're going to get back together. Mm-hmm. So, and anyone, even if you're a flighty fan of the show, you're still going to be able to understand that, okay, so she's a ex-drug-using, ex-female-loving, um, now-male-loving wife or mm-hmm. fiancé. So she's not that big when it comes down to Zaz nearly killed her. Mm-hmm. So, like, honestly... Is yeah, you can kind of see why he's not the push. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, meh. And he, we, we do know that the story will get better, but I just think it's it doesn't need to be that played out that much. No, I'm, I, I, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. It's not that it needs to be played out. It's just that they've taken the time to introduce them as a couple. And, uh, you know, the first episode, they were kind of all lovey-dovey on the sofa. It seemed this really perfect relationship. They make the time to have her come to the precinct and him, uh, and for them to have that friction. But in the crucial moments where you feel, because she's been kidnapped by a psychopath like Victor Zaz, that you should see his true feelings for her come out, even if it's in a 10-second scene or something like that. I just didn't feel you got that. So mm-hmm. I think that's more my point about it, is that it just seemed that it was put in on each episode saying this is an important thing. And it may be, as you say, later on in the season. But when she's getting kidnapped by Butch Gilzin and Victor Zaz, that should be a really dramatic moment for their relationship because ultimately she ends off leaving him because she can't you cope can see with that. She did. And you he can see that, that but, but not necessarily for the two of them. Yeah. It's kind of but that's it's just it's just one of those things that it didn't didn't work for me. I suppose yeah. no, in I the same way. But I liked them. You know, I liked um, Aaron Richards. Playing Barbara Keane, you'd like to. It was more wedding. the it was more the writing. Yeah. 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 I'd like to go yeah. to the wedding. Definitely, I'd like to stay in that apartment as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting listening to the points because I haven't really thought about it that way. That that um, that it comes across that Jim doesn't really care for Barbara. Maybe that is the reason why she maybe. left. Maybe yeah. maybe that is they they've played it exactly right. As, as to Chris's point as well, that maybe they played it exactly right. Maybe she realized that. He doesn't really care about her. He cares about his job much more than her, and that's why she's walked out and gone back in, back to the arms of of Renee Montoya. Yeah. Um, so I think that's your second that's your second point, John. So I think we're on to Chris now for his his second point. Okay, we're we're in a a year decade of origin stories mm-hmm. with both. So you have the Flash, you have Arrow, you have the the Marvel side, which that shall not be named. Uh, we talk about it. We have we have Batman Begins, that whole trilogy, the Chris Nolan. We've seen the origin stories of Batman now, what, about five, six times mm-hmm. throughout the years. This is a nice way of doing it. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing Batman's origin. We're seeing his environment's origin, which I like. And they're they're borrowing from a lot of different lore. Yeah. And they're writing it together well. So with the Arkham, um, Arkham episode, mm-hmm. we now see that that's going to actually become... It's going to become the Arkham City from the game. That's true. Yeah, that's like true. literally, it's gonna it's now affordable housing surrounded by dump, which mm-hmm. they're going to put a prison in. Yeah, and that's what that's what the game is about. Then, as I said, year one, Batman, Alfred Pe- Alfred is 
well, they've teased that that he can fight with a sword mm-hmm. and he he can box and he's a bit of a hard ass and yeah. he is the marine. Um, and then kick ass Alfred, yeah, yeah. And then, but they're also teasing Hush in an episode where most people wouldn't get who he is. Mm-hmm. Diehard fans will and go, "Oh my god, it's Hush!" Yeah. Black Mask again teasing it as his. Having why he chose a black mask because this is his father in the episode, and they're taking lore and elements and teasing enough that is still making it interesting. Which, if you take all the Batman writers, and there's a good few, mm-hmm. and there's a good few good, good, good ones like yeah. Long Halloween, Hush, like the, you can't take everything, but you can take the best bits. Yeah, and if they're writing it together and interknitting it, I think they're doing this the best way, yeah. and this is. Mm-hmm kind of why I'm really liking it. They, they're able to take the best parts of the different origins and cast out the bits where we've all read a comic and went, okay, I understand why you wrote that, but meh. Yeah. Yeah. So they're getting rid of the met bits and just going for the gold. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I think definitely the show has, has done a great job of setting up Bruce Wayne uh, himself in the city. I certainly didn't feel that we would see a lot as much of David Masseuse. Um when, when the show started. I certainly didn't feel that we'd be coming back to him every episode. Uh, him and, and Alfred, we've talked about many times uh, how much we really like the interplay between those two characters and the pieces that they pulled from, from Alfred's past to make him the kick-arse Alfred, as I said, um, have been really, really good in the show. But once you spread it out into the city and seeing the connections that you that people like myself and people like Chris who who pick it up because we've read tons of comic books and go, that guy who, whose name was mentioned in that episode, that guy's going to grow up to be Hush, as you said. Yeah. That kind of stuff is great and really good fun. And then when they introduce something that you go, I wonder what that name means. Oh, there's absolutely no connection. They've created that from scratch. They're also doing a great job with that as well. So, um, so characters like the the Spirit of the Ghost uh, episode, where where we have a brand new vigilante created for the show. Um, I was absolutely riveted to that episode and looking on Wikipedia to find out whether there was any connection at all between that and any comic book I might have missed out over the years. I think they've done a really good job about that. Anybody else want to come in? I really liked um how. The young Bruce Wayne and the young Selina Kyle, that interaction in Wayne Manor and how that was done, that to me I was thinking how are they going to do this where it's not going to sort of ruin what grown up Bruce Wayne and grown up Selina Kyle have which is that kind of grey relationship where they kind of trust one another, they love one another, they kind of don't, they're suspicious of one another, that sort of lovely sort of dubiousness of that, of those um, those two characters. And I actually really liked how they were introduced and then how they went on the the run together after Wayne Manor was compromised. Mm-hmm. That, to me, was really good. And the fact, you know, Bruce Wayne was kind of, you know, pretty straight and uh, Celine is the, you know, she's a street urchin and she's kind of a bit more street level and has got you know, some street cred, ultimately. I, I liked that. I liked how they did that. Yeah. The one bit from that episode... Just and I, mm-hmm. it took me a second to get it, and it was nagging me for hours. <laughs> is the vase? Do you remember the vase? All right. Think about back from the uh, what was it? Batman Returns. When she's in her Michelle Pfeiffer, she's in her Selena Kyle outfit. Mm-hmm. She's playing with a vase, oh, and Michael Keaton comes in, 
and that was literally oh it was annoying me for hours and I just I really? ended up watching it and there's a heart back there to the he started talking about the Ming Dynasty vase. Right. And she's still tossing it kind of in her hands. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. So a nice little nice little callback to uh, to to the the original Batman films from uh, from the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Really good 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 spot yeah, there, Chris. Thank good you. stuff. So Derek, what about yourself? Another point for me, I think uh Kind of again, it's quite similar to to some of the stuff we've discussed here. Is you know, despite some of the episodes really feeling quite standalone throughout the season so far, I loved when there's been connected episodes. So you know, when we had Spirit of the Ghost followed by uh, Penguin's Umbrella, I think were the two episodes back to back. Um, where Penguin's Umbrella really succeeded was where it was talking about stuff that was happening from the first episode, second episode, third episode, all the way up, bringing it all together into one episode where. You know, you really couldn't have watched that episode if you hadn't seen the previous six, you know. And mm. they've been really successful in, in doing episodes like that. I'm really hoping there's going to be more of them. Um, whereas in, in contrast to that, you know, an episode like The Mask fell flat for me because, you know, Chris had mentioned that it's something that it, it pretends to talk about something that happens in the future. Something that's going to happen in five or six years time where his son might take up the mantle of The Mask. The episode itself fell completely flat for me because, you know, they introduce a bad guy. He wears a mask. They kill him, and there you go. That's it. End of episode. Why do we even talk about that? It felt like there was no point in it, no connection. It's not advancing the story. Exactly. Really, it yeah. just it just felt like a total one off. I'd love if it was something that they were spinning out over the course of a couple episodes, over the course of a season. You see this guy in the background who's you know who's manipulating things or who's killing people, and they don't catch him for a couple episodes. You know that kind of stuff. That that's one for me that I felt was kind of there's good. There's been good things. There's been bad things, but overall. When they've had an episode that's connected, it's been great. When they've had standalone episodes, it hasn't really worked as well for me. I think it's going to come down to the writer. And, John, you brought this point up before when we were chatting. Unfortunately, sorry, we were chatting off air. I'm very sorry. (laughs) This is what happens when you put, like, four geeks in a room. (laughs) The the writers, there's... Six. Quite a, quite a few writers. Uh, each of the showrunners is a writer for the show, uh, so that's that's four uh, showrunners plus the plus the wonderful Gotham TV writers. Who uh, I think there's a a team of about six that knock out the episodes. And uh, I think so far the first ten episodes have been written between eight people. Okay, so, okay, so there's eight. Yeah. Well, we'll call round we'll round down to eight. They when you have episodes like The Mask, they they were written. Pretty much, probably about a year ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Even though, okay, even probably longer, a year and a half. So this is always the same, and I think there's Battlestar Galactica fans will probably remember this mm-hmm. that when they were writing episodes, stuff was happening in real life. Yeah. So with the mask, you have Wolf of Wall Street, right? And and then you have elements of Fight Club, and mm-hmm. it's always going to pull heavily on other cultural whatever we want to call it, cultural icons. Influences. Influences. So you're going to have to have filler. Mm -hmm. But why not fill it with stuff that everyone's going to automatically... The show should be written for us diehard fans Mm -hmm. where, like, Batman, we love comics and stuff. But you've still got to... It's on a network. Mm -hmm. So you've got to try and still pull in people who, who don't know Batman aside from probably the Chris Nolan films or the 80s films. So you've got to pull them in with... Ooh, ooh, that that's Wolf of Wall Street. I get it, I get it. Right, right. And I think we'll probably get to it later. They haven't done the vigilante element too much right now, mm. aside from Goat. For the American listeners, you've probably seen on the the, the, the Facebooks and the, the Twitter machines mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. 
that they are teasing other large costume vigilantes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to take a while for us to see this now, unfortunately. But um, if you're on social media, you can't not help see some of these teasings, Absolutely. which it hurts. Um, it hurts so much that we have to wait longer than you guys. But, <laughs> but we still recorded a half-hour episode about, about an upcoming character that we won't see for about three or four months. Yeah, Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're so excited. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. I think they, they have to... They have to intersplice the lore of which there's a lot mm-hmm. the the cultural references the 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 the, the, the ones that are going to go for Joe Soap yep. who are going to get those and be able to come in and see the fun and then also the the cop show element the vigilante element the 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 the, the mobs the mob element yep. which other people who watch sopranos and other big tv shows are going oh i love that part of yeah. it mm-hmm. yeah. that's what i think that's cool any other any other points on that yeah, I think you have to realise that the first ten episodes of season one, they are still finding their rhythm. I mean, it was only going to be 13 episodes. It got extended again to 16 and then to 22. Mm. And we've discussed this previously about how you know some of, if you think of, say, The Wire, season three, everyone goes, wow, you know, that whole season. Sometimes shows take a while to get into their groove. I actually think this, in terms of the long game storyline, um, is very much in its groove. I think it's really well worked out. It's the other stuff going on around it that I think they're actually figuring out at that time. And so for something like Spirit of the Goat, for me, that really worked, how that episodic thing connected. Same with Viper. Um Whereas for others, other other episodes, they didn't necessarily work for me in the same way, but the through storyline really kind of works, and it's something I'll probably say is one of my good aspects of this show uh, later on. But um, so I, I, I would agree. I think it also does need its time to get it find its legs. Things that you mentioned in last week's podcast, actually, that somebody said that it was Gotham was very full, like it was too soon to be bringing in people, the other characters, like uh-huh. for, that people would recognize. And you're going well. It, it's kind of the if it's foil is in a way it's very foil to be given everybody a bit of time but like if if that's the way you, that you look at it that there's one true storyline and everything else is kind of all these little incidental bits that may or may not affect but it's still nice to tell the story yeah, yeah. so if you knew you had 22 episodes to start obviously it's easier to plan absolutely that. yeah 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 take the point definitely uh, Irene do you want to lead us off with your next uh, next point about, about Gotham so far Alfred Bruce's relationship basically because at the start, Alfred obviously doesn't have a clue what he's doing there. He's kind of in shock that he's going to have to raise him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know how to be a dad or he doesn't know, like, he's kind of being too stern because he's really worried about him. Yeah. And you're kind of going, cringe and going, no, don't say that to him. <laughs> like, or, you know, it, it could be, be a little bit nicer. Like, I know yeah. you don't want him to be a sissy or whatever. He just but, lost like, his parents. Yeah, you just lost his parents. Like, it's a bit harsh. Like, um, and you're you kind of going, yeah, are they going to bring in somebody else or is this just going to change? And then it kind of, he softens. And mm-hmm. it's really nice that the episode eight where he's playing with Selena and he's, they're throwing the bagels at each other. Yeah. And you can see him at, at standing at the door and he's like really surprised like that like Bruce isn't just a little serious adult yeah yeah I know I know exactly <laughs> what you mean yeah there's definitely kind of a his background that, that we spoke about the military background definitely is playing a part in how he wants to how he thinks he should be bringing up Bruce but yeah the softening of, of he's going uh, yeah I'll make a man of him like absolutely. he's still, he's still only 12 yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to come in on this one absolutely on Viper which you were talking about 
one of the, the best parts for me is where Bruce Wayne, for the first time in the show, orders mm-hmm. Alfred to do something. Yeah. He literally goes, go get that. Yeah. And then we don't see it on the thing until the end of the episode where um, Alfred then sits down willingly yeah. to help. And this is where I think the, the beginning of the dynamic of but, well, Bruce Wayne and Alfred, which is the, 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 the master and the manservant, or butler, excuse me, butler, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to uh, Bruce Wayne and the father figure, Alfred, um, who is completely different, and then the taskmaster and the soldier, mm-hmm. which comes in, and then, like, which all then lead into the, yeah, the, the, the further origin of, uh, like, how do we put it? Batman and Alfred. Yeah, Batman and Alfred. I don't like using Batman though because he's not going to be there for years. That is going to hurt me. I did. I did like how uh, how Alfred described his father as being the uh, the Batman of uh, of the the Wayne family. So uh, I like that. That's really good. Um, Any other points about Alfred and Bruce, Lauren? Um, I think the this the same episode as Chris is talking about there, Mm -hmm. but the bit where that kind of seemed to catch a lot of people, where they're like. He's sitting down and he's helping him with his investigation, and mm. then Bruce is like, "You're like, oh, that's really nice. He's gonna, he's been a bit more like understanding and sensitive." Yeah. And then Bruce is the one that turns around and kind of cuts the legs of him, like going, <laughs> "Like it's an order. Yeah, don't throw that in the fire. It's an order." It's like, "Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, go, go, baby, go back to being a bit more harsh with him." <laughs> like, <laughs> it's obviously working. Yeah, he's yeah. fine. He's, he's certainly he's been called Master Bruce since the beginning, and uh, he's definitely the master of that household. Definitely, John. Do you have another point about the first half of Gotham? Um, yeah, I really liked um, the secondary and supporting or reoccurring guest cast actually okay i maybe some of the names i've got down here it's debatable whether they're supporting or or secondary as mm-hmm. such but um i think they've been really strong i think they've been really enjoyable and i think that's really added a depth to to the show and just that building on to the main cast like for me some of them butch gills in as um played by drew powell yeah. his intimidation of barbara is so great and creepy it's really um you feel her intimidation there and i think his loyalty to fish mooney how that comes across that confidant element is superb yeah i definitely say this with the one thing i think about fish mooney's character i've really enjoyed the build-up a lot of people haven't but i think without butch gilzine as her backup i think she'd be nothing there's there's such there's such a great playfulness between the two of them you can tell his loyalty, you can tell how he how he acts around her is really been making her character even better uh, every episode. I'll disagree with you really? on that one. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. She's a badass. Okay, yeah. See, yeah. if you look, so the, uh, the, one of the very first two, three episodes mm-hmm. where her voice starts changing. Yes. Yeah, because yes. you can hear, so throughout the first ten episodes or so, mm-hmm. she is the madame, she is the hard hard as nails she is I, I believe we will find, start finding more and more about her backstory mm-hmm. as the, the, the rest of the season continues but he is an integral part he's her lieutenant yep. but she still has an army of other thugs behind her I agreed, and maybe it, maybe I I didn't explain myself correctly. Okay. I think I think it's it's the actor uh, in the role, Drew Powell, uh, playing off Jada Pinkett okay, Smith, that and, I agree with. and having a Butch Gilzine in in the scenes with her, where she's able to be herself a lot. Yes. Uh, the actual the, the character of Fish comes through much more um, uh, much more strongly when when 
Butchko seems in the room with her where you can hear her speak the way she the way she would normally speak on the street. Whereas when she's working with, you know, when she's with Maroney or with Falcone, you can tell that she's putting on airs. She doesn't do that around, around Butch Gilzine, and, and he really helps to draw that out. So, yeah, that's my fault for not explaining well. <laughs> I, I kind of think I'm somewhere in the middle there because mm. I think she's not really a hard ass. And you see that when she's talking to Butch, mm-hmm. but she's more aspirational. And she's like wishing she was one of the top people, but she's not really. Yeah. Uh, like she's nowhere near Maroney and Falcone, so... Interesting, interesting. Well, on that as well, I would say Carmine Falcone, the great John Doman, mm. and Sal Maroney by David Zayas are really good as well. I mean, David Zayas plays Maroney really yeah, creepily. He's, he's really, again, that big, bulking, intimidating person like Butch goes in, but yeah. in a different way, more so because he's the boss. Um, and Carmine Falcone, his presence um, when he's speaking with Jim Gordon in episode one, and to me, like his speech to Jim there is absolutely the backdrop and linchpin of the the show. That idea of descending into chaos, and that without organized crime and law and order working together, and What's coming down the line is not that at all. You know, those old established um, things that were set in stone, or so they thought, is now sort of gone. I think they're, again, really strong characters. Um, And one more, well, I've got two more, but the other one is Carol Kane as um, uh, Gertrude Cappleput as Oswald's mum. Her weirdness and zaniness <laughs> is just brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah. She, is a, she is a scene chewer, isn't the, she? She's, yeah. she's the, like she's the bath scene. The bath scene was yeah, properly so disturbing. <laughs> um, but I love that off-kilter relationship between the two of them. Mm. Um, and it just adds so much to Oswald, to Robin Lord Taylor's performance, to have that additional element. That's where I think it's really solid. And then I'm really glad that Anthony Carrigan, who played Victor Zaz, came back. I thought that was just going to be a one-off kind of um, appearance. And I'm really glad he got a reoccurring slot um, coming back as um, sort of a fixer and a hitman for, for Falcone. Yeah, yeah. He's a, a great character, definitely. And you can tell by the the amount we've all talked about Victor Zaz, you can tell we all really He's enjoyed him. really charismatic. Isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And, Dean Cedar, like and considering yeah. how scary he is, you know, he shouldn't be that charismatic, should he? No. Um, I think it's just because he had the uh, he had the uh, um, funky tan as his ringtone for his phone, <laughs> <that> just yeah. <laughs> cemented him in, in his in bat lore forever. Really, I, I don't know about Saz. Sorry, just okay. I agree with everything else. Yep. Just Saz though. Mm-hmm. He okay. I know when we f- meet him in the Batman universe, mm. he's a lot more covered in scars. Yep. And okay, this could start telling the story, but this is one where I'm going to actually completely go against myself, which is they created their own um, Lauren Zazna mm-hmm. in that they're creating that he was the mob. In the, in I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Zaz was supposed to be just a, a, a psychotic killer. Yeah, I think the first time we meet Zaz in the comics he's actually already a psychotic killer with many, many scars yeah. uh, from from killing. I think he breaks out of a prison. If I'm uh, yeah. somebody, Somebody's going to correct me on that, I'm sure. Um, but I think he breaks out of a prison after being in prison, after doing many, many murders. So that still kind of fits in with that. I think it's just they, 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 I think they're trying to make him 
too weird. Okay. In that the black leather, and he's got his three biker-clad ladies mm-hmm. um, who are also in there, and there's scenes where he just shouldn't... He shouldn't been able to walk freely mm-hmm. into GCPD. Certainly. Certainly. So he, he's not that well-known by the GCPD, it, but, that we think. But his boss is, and that's the difference. But he doesn't say that he's his boss. He just walks up onto a table but and But they jumps. know. I presume it's something that's known. Like, I, I think it's the idea that actually the GCPD is a bought institution, and that's where Jim is slightly different, and which rails Harvey Bullock initially, mm-hmm. is that, um, you know... It's um it's a bought institution, so they probably know that he is Falcone's sort of right hand man. I suppose. I mean, I don't. That's where. That's what I kind of think. Why he could do that. So that's why they all walked out in in that episode. You know, someone could have just pull a gun, a quick shot, and there you go. There's one mm-hmm. more criminal off the street, kind of thing. But I I wonder if it's just that element of being a bought institution that it's okay. fundamentally sort of rotten at its core a bit. Remember, all Zaz has to say is everybody clear out, and they do. They're on the payroll for for uh, for Falcone. It's, uh, it's uh, pretty much a bought institution would be the right way to put it, I, I would say. If they're all uh, on the yeah. payroll, why is the set so bad? You think they like bring <laughs> some gold desks in, a bit more bling? <laughs> <laughs> well, come on. <laughs> they can't show off that they're on the payroll. Oh, okay. you know. uh, yeah. uh, Chris, do you have an, another point about uh you do have another point. Here. I have many points. Yeah. Are we going for uh, <laughs> the good? The good. Which do you want to go for, good uh, or bad? Um, I, okay, so we we touched on it slightly, and uh, this is my only actual downside, which is in um, the first couple of episodes. And I think you are right, that John. That they're finding their their kilter, their their pace, mm. but there was and still is to a point the identity crisis. Mm. Is it a cop show? Is it a mob show? Is it a, an origin show? Is it there's many different shows that they're trying to be in and mm-hmm. sometimes I, I it, sometimes I think that the, the campness which I know you like takes you out <laughs> of that moment it is the, the holy the holy ch- smokes Batman mm-hmm. type lines that takes me out of them sometimes right. when they're trying to be that dark gritty elements or the, 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 the ticking time bomb which I think visually worked mm-hmm. but having a tick tick yeah. <laughs> I was like, really? You're gonna like if it's supposed to be this kind of very re- slightly realistic mm. show that that you're not gonna have a big alarm clock ticking along. <laughs> so he's on my side. Of the but no, I, I visually it <laughs> okay. worked. All right. Audibly, no. It's like Butch goes in with the nuns. Yeah. Yeah. It's another one which yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, I that, that was good. <laughs> I, I, th- I think I'm not saying that they've all worked, but I think when they've worked and they've got it right, I think it's it's. I'm surprised that it has worked. That's I think maybe more what I should have said. Okay. I'm surprised that those things have stood out to me as being okay within the wider context. But I I do agree that they may have not all been successful. I think um, I mean even with Harvey Bullock, the fact that Sometimes he's been described as being the comedic other half of Jim Gordon. Sometimes that maybe is drawn out too much than it should be. But that's my own personal preference. I'd love to see Harvey Bullock still with his 
Pepsi Bismol on the side of the table and his bottle of whiskey, like you saw in the first episode. I actually think he's cleaned up as they've moved through yeah, the, the episodes. But I prefer him to see him getting scruffier and scruffier. Or maybe he's getting better under Jim and then he's going to have his big fall somewhere down the line. Yeah, perhaps um, he's going to return that way when they're no longer partners and Jim is off working in Arkham. So, yeah, we might see a bit more... Uh, bit more of a scruffy Harvey, definitely. A bit of toast crumbs in the beard or something <laughs> like that. Um, <laughs> he doesn't need, he just drinks and has pepto doesn't he? Do they know, at this point, what type of show they're creating? Mm-hmm. And that's the bit I, I, I worry about. Right, right. Which is, they have... Uh, you have so much with this show, you could just make the Mafia mm-hmm. with Fish and Marconi and the the rest. You could have the, 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 the weekly... Death, mm-hmm. the kind of whatever weekly way, murderer, the weekly yeah. murder, and how are they going to solve it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they, they've slightly stepped away from that with the episodic couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. I think that, that they're trying to get away from a law and order type special CSI. GCPD yeah. <laughs> type. I want them to go down the route of a more Game of Thrones stuff. Now, don't jump down me. Jump down down me. I'm not talking fantasy. Gotham of Thrones. Yeah, the Gotham of Thrones, which is, well, that's exactly what it could be, is you have them, they're trying to, who's going to control Gotham? Mm-hmm. Is it the cops? Is it the mob? Is it the penguin? Mm-hmm. Um, Crabblepot, whatever we want to call it. He's okay. the penguin. He's definitely the penguin. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I am 100% sure he isn't the penguin. Can I just quickly come in there? And this okay. is actually... This is a really fun discussion. I hope the listeners are enjoying it. Yeah, this is, but this is my third kind of thing that I really enjoyed because I think where they do know what the show is is to do with the mobsters between the competing interests of Falcone and Maroney and the Penguin Rising. And for me, those through storylines throughout the first ten episodes, that mobster battle and the chaos rising and the instability have been really good and they've been really good in episodes where i've maybe not liked the investigation so balloon man is not one of my favorites for example (laughs) but still i thought the the through storyline of oswald in that and um and his sort of return back to gotham and him trying to establish himself in maroney's restaurant that really built on, on what had happened in the previous two, and obviously subsequently it it, it, it adds down the line. But were the storylines such as um, Penguin's Umbrella um, and Arkham, and I think the other one was Harvey Dent, where they've kind of collided, the episodic element has collided with that through storyline. I mean, Penguin's Umbrella was fantastic for me. That worked, and Arkham where it was penguins just controlling Jim Gordon, it seems, sort of, and that seemed to have worked. And I think that's where they do know what it is. I think it's some of the other peripheral stuff. Maybe it goes back again to the to the time thing, though. Like, I don't know, maybe it's deliberate that they pull you out of it, that they don't want it to be all very Game of Thrones and very dark. Mm. Like, nothing good ever seems to happen in Game of Thrones. And if you think it did, you'd find out later it didn't. Yeah, or, or it did only to go horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. So, like, maybe they don't want that. Maybe it's deliberate that it's to to lighten it up. And maybe it's more to do, like I said, with the time of it that they don't give, you know, necessarily it's not proportionate. Like, so it feels like they're giving more time to the mob one week. And then it's like, oh, no, actually, it's going to be more cop showy this week. And Yeah, yeah. It'll bring in the bigger audience. You're yeah. right. It's it's uh, it's it's about about managing the expectations of 
you know, at this stage, as we mentioned earlier on, you know, you've got the comic book fans who came on to watch Batman every week. They should have been watching Arrow. This show is not Batman every week, definitely. Arrow is Batman every week. Not as well made, unfortunately, as Gotham, oh. but it is Batman every week. I've said it before. <laughs> um, but this show is definitely much more of the of the setup of the city, and I, I think it's working really well. It's It's doing stuff that I didn't think it was going to do. I certainly thought the show was going to be, you know, the Gordon show. It's not been that. It yeah. actually has tended to be these first ten episodes, The Rise of the Penguin, which I think we'll talk a little bit more about in, in a little while. But, uh, but yeah, it's been the rise of the Penguin rather than rather than uh, the the rise of of Jim Gordon into into a particular position in the GCPD, which yeah. is probably would have been quite a boring show if if it hadn't been hadn't been done that way. And like you you mentioned already as well, that like it's been more Bruce than you would think it was going to be. Absolutely. Like it, it's the announcement of Jim as the central character. He's, it's actually not as gym-centric as you would think it would have been. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Especially by episode 10. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Very much so. Uh, Irene, do you have another point or have I skipped over my point? I'm, uh, you skipped over yours, I think. Did I skip over mine? Okay. Well, then I'll, I'll go into one that John mentioned earlier on, which is uh, which is my big negative of the first season, which was episode 3, almost in its entirety. Uh, I think it's 42 minutes and I think 38 minutes I hated it was the uh, it's the Balloon Man episode. <laughs> That's harsh. Yeah, no, I, I pretty much hated the whole episode. So the Balloon Man himself, this was the first vigilante in Gotham. This is the first person that's put on a mask, going to the city, try, taking out high-profile targets. That episode should have been so much better than it was. Um, we've mentioned it before. The show is now airing on RTE in Ireland. Uh, they're on episode four now. And I found myself telling people who were, for, who were first-time watchers of the show, I was telling them to skip episode three or at least... If you are going to watch it, make sure you watch episode four, because that's far better than this episode would let you believe the series is going to get, uh, which is an awful thing to say. We've, we've, you know, we've covered hours and hours of podcasting on this show, and to have an episode stand out as being the big sore thumb for me, um, it, you know, this was the one that it just should have had more weight to it. You know, Obviously, it's the Balloon Man, so it's quite a light episode. Sorry. If they'd not had sorry. Yeah. <laughs> not sorry. Not yeah. sorry. If they had had more weight, they couldn't have got him off the ground. They couldn't have any way. I've looked it up. That it would take more balloons than are around in the world to lift one human you know being. Someone, sorry. You know someone doesn't like it when they research how many helium balloons <laughs> it is, is needed to lift a human being yeah. off the surface of the earth. Yep. I did. I did that. I liked your... At the time, I did like your suggestion that... The whole sort of blimps or zeppelins over overhead, like you see in some of the promotional material, the mm. fact that they could have been strung up on those could have worked better. But yeah, yeah, I would have, I would have loved if they used the zeppelins as the as a as a device in the episodes. But in fairness, cool. the motives of the balloon man were good. Yes, that, yeah, that's the four minutes of the episode that I enjoyed, where he explains <laughs> his motives and his reason behind doing what he was doing and saying that more people will rise to take take up the role of a vigilante. He's setting up the city of Gotham. That's a brilliant four minutes. I just wish they'd written the rest of the episode as well as those four minutes. But um, there you go. That's my uh, that's my one bad point. I don't know. I, I, I'm okay. going to argue. I'm going to argue. You're going to argue it's my bad point? No, yes, no. I will argue that. It's, <laughs> I think the, the, the points that you dislike, mm-hmm. which is the vigilante, not the setting up of a vigilante, but in terms of how he kills, and that actually will... Take uh, get bring more to it later on. So when Bullock shoots um, the balloon, mm-hmm. that's his first step to helping Jim. Right. Yeah. That is because yeah. he. But before that, he's like, "No, you're out on your own." At that point, he's 
like Jim has jumped up, grabbed him, and he's like, I'm not going to let go. Yeah. And that's the first point where I think he, he gets into it. Begrudgingly. <laughs> Begrudgingly, but it's still, he does it. Yeah. And I think that's the, this, the, no matter how, how much gold we want out of this show, there's uh-huh. always going to be a bit of filler. I was going to use something else there, but there's still going to be a bit of filler. And I think, yes, okay, they they brought Professor Pig in just for the crack, and uh, maybe, they did they, maybe. <laughs> I, it was it was an Easter egg episode. Yes, okay, and that is what I loved about it. Yeah, my God, we had the DC's first superhero vigilante, which was the Shadow. Mm-hmm. Which when uh, Blue Man was had his scarf on and his fedora hat, yeah, and then even the name, his name was uh, Langstrom. Yeah, yes, that's right. That's right. So, which is. The shadow out of one of the original comics. That's right. It was yeah. Easter egg laden. Yeah, it was. And perhaps a little too much. But hey, <laughs> that's my thoughts on it. I'm, I'm sorry. That's all right. All right. John, do you want to give us another point about, about Gotham so far? Yeah, I really, really enjoyed um, Robin Lord Taylor's portrayal of Oswald Cobblepot. I just thought there's so many different elements in terms of um, that whole penguin rising aspect where you know it was central to that through storyline. The reveal in Penguin's Umbrella was just brilliant. I loved the way that all came together in that episode. Mm. His um, relationship with his mum, his real sort of sneaky, manipulative um, portrayal by Robin Lotella is brilliant. How he kind of seemed to just be like this puppeteer for um, Jim Gordon. I mean... And it all goes back to that kind of collage that you saw in um, episode two, Selena Kyle, that has Jim Gordon and you have Patsy underneath <laughs> it. And that, to me, I still feel we did a lot of time on, on that collage that he had in that caravan in episode two. And I still think elements of those are still going to um, play out. Uh, so I just thought what he brought to Oswald Cobblepot was just really, really good. I like the idea that, you know, his, his walk, his trademark walk was because Fish Mooney sort of broke his ankle, that it it, it came from something real. Mm. Um, it was all just superb um, yeah. how he did it. So, I mean, you know, he's been talked about as this breakout star, and I can definitely see it. He's been central to each of the episodes, really, in the first um the first half of this season. Yeah, yeah, definitely a big surprise for me is how central the character is. I've, I've talked about it before, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna harp on again about it. He's, uh, he's, he's definitely breakout for me. How about you guys? What's your feeling on, on Robin Lord Taylor? I'm loving. Yeah, I just thought it was great. You're on his side from the very start, mm-hmm. and except for when he, when he does come back, you're going, no, what the, what are you doing? And then it's like, oh yeah, remember who it is. He'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been, he's been fantastic though, hasn't he? In the show, yeah. definitely, definitely. Chris, I. I'm actually in full agreement. Yeah. I know I'm starting to become the the, the, the argumentative yeah. side of this podcast, <laughs> but I am. So they, there's even the little the, the little things like every time he kills now he eats, mm-hmm. which I couldn't understand when Robin being or Oswald it's as we see him was very small, yeah. and I always always see him as this Danny DeVito esque comic book esque small guy who's waddly and quite. Robust mm-hmm. is a nice, polite way of saying it. Nice, nice. Um, so now this is an origin again, which is we can see every time he kills, he's going to start eating and nibbling, and the, obviously by the the end of Gotham, he's going to be a very robust again <laughs> guy. But then even the snarl, 
when he started uh, uh, with in some episodes where he gets quite evil, there's a hint of Danny DeVito in there, and mm-hmm. I think Robin has come out and said that he drew a lot from Danny DeVito's portrayal. Yeah, yeah, and I, I love that. Yeah, he said he, he said he'd watched uh, Batman Returns to the point where he could quote every single line in that movie. He loves the portrayal so much. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I'm not too sure about about how heavy uh, Robin Nortelli is going to get by the end of the show. Uh, I think the fangirls might be crying in the aisles if he puts on that much weight by the end of the show. It might just allow him to jump and have one scene at the in, at the end when he's uh, when he's a really heavy actor, a really heavy character, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, interesting, interesting. Irene, I think you have uh, another point. For us, uh... um, yeah. Well, the thing that annoyed me most, <laughs> okay, okay, basically, um, the whole Liza Fish Mooney Falcone story, really, just the way it was done more than the actual story. The idea of having somebody sending in a mole, that's fine. Mm-hmm. That nothing wrong with that. But the way that the time, I'm back to this again. Sorry, mm-hmm. the whole the time and the way the story was told. I just think it's. There's a lot of unanswered questions. Really? really? Yeah. I thought, Liza, is is she feeding back information? Like, we're not really sure what the purpose of having her in there is. Mm. Unless it's just that there is actually going to be a payoff to Falcone having, like, his mum alive. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. Like, yeah, interesting. Um, and I think another thing is they they go, seem to go out of their way to make some points and they're quite heavy handed. And then in, in other ways, like the thing with Liza... Is they just kind of leave it open to interpretation. Like, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm being really literal, but it's never explained. Is she is she is she a mole that's feeding back information, right. or is it just a way to kind of subtly undermine the way he's thinking, or to weaken him a little bit? Or mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Okay, all right. I, I see that, and I think I do think it's a bit odd. I do. I, I definitely like it. I'll talk. I'll talk a little bit more about it, but. Um, but I do think it's a bit weird that she made that fish made her look like his mother to get into bed with him, essentially, which I think is a bit odd, isn't it? Anybody else find yeah. that, that element a bit odd? I, I know, I know. They say that you always go for the person that's most like your parents in your relationships, but that's a bit too far, isn't it? So it's more personality, you know? <laughs> maybe, uh. maybe. I, I think it's deeper than that. Mm. I think that's the whole point. It's it's supposed to be when we first when he first meets her. He's listening to the favorite song, his favorite song that his mother always sang, mm. and I think that it, 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 the whole point was grooming almost mm-hmm. to, to trust him. Um, and I think the character will see more. We'll see more of her, mm-hmm. um, hopefully. Um, but I also think that there's an element where it will start to become useless because. There's only so much we we know that, that this rivalry is going to go on for a while, yeah. but they, 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 as you said, what what is the point of having a a mole who is not digging? Right. Yeah. Uh, right. And I think it was only we've only seen one episode up to episode ten, which is where she feeds back some form of information. Yeah. I think it was in Black Mask. Uh, yeah. Or the mask. The mask. She yeah. gives the the paper. Yeah, the, the ledger or something. Ledger or something, yeah, yeah. which yeah. is still isn't explained. Yeah. Um. Aside from the the ultimate downfall, as Fish says. Yeah. Um. But I I don't know. I I, I think she's a Gotham creation. She's, she's a not Gotham original. Definitely. She's yeah. we we have never. They, there's a couple of people have heart back of who she could be mm-hmm. later on. Um. I don't think so. I think full Gotham creation just. A, a plot point, right? That that can be fulcrumed. 
right. at a later point. Okay, okay. What's your feelings on, on Liza, Jim? I think I agree with Chris about that idea that she can be a fulcrum for um, a later point because it, it like it's episode 10, I think, where the Penguin, Oswald Cobblepot, sort of clicks that she's working for Fish Mooney. Mm. Um, there is that whole aspect within um, the episode Lovecraft. So that all of a sudden, what Fish Mooney thinks is her greatest weapon, as she's been saying, um, is suddenly now, unbeknownst to her, the bigger you know ball and chain around her ankle because her mortal enemy, Oswald Cobblepot, you know, now knows and can use that against against her or or whatever. I I think and I think so. In that sense, maybe. The original setup for Liza, what she was supposed to be, um, was maybe um, a bit of a red herring. Maybe I don't know. Um, yeah, because even the whole picking her, like she, you know, smashed the other girl's face in or whatever, <laughs> to be the one that got picked, and yeah. then like the time that went into even that, like, and yeah. then she's training her and everything, and now she's just like there. Right. I thought she was going to be a more female assassin. Yeah. I, yeah. That's what yeah. I ex- expected. I thought it, we were going to have this almost. There's an element of gender swapping mm-hmm. uh, in the, the show that we've seen already with uh, Copperhead being swapped into a female. Yeah. Um, and so I assumed that she was going to be, when I started making connections, I assumed, okay, well, so she's probably going to be some type of assassin that mm-hmm. was a man in one of the comic books. So I even started looking for that. I still can't figure it out. Right, right, yeah. right. It, did, it is definitely the, the scene you that, that you spoke about, Irene, is definitely one of my favourite scenes of the entire season. <laughs> the, uh, the fight between the two girls where, uh, where Eliza takes on the, the person you thought who was going to be yeah. the, the pick for Fish and beats her up in about three seconds and goes, right, I got the job now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, off she goes. <laughs> Brilliant opening scene. But you're right, to kind of... To turn her into essentially the, the servant of, of Falcone, she just serves him tea, as far as I can tell, for so far, and occasionally gets a little bit of information back. Yeah, she I cooks. See, she cooks. She does. She, cook. she makes, uh, as we know, for, with Zaz, she cooks muffins. That's right. That's she her. drugs them. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, with the tea, she drugs yeah. them. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. that's how they get the the, the ledger. ledger. Yeah. yeah. Which, which even two three episodes later, you think he would have noticed. I had some tea I and I fell had. asleep uh-huh. for a while. Yeah. But that, no, I actually no, thought he had sure. noticed and he just wasn't saying anything immediately because he was playing it to see he was going to get something out of it. Yeah. No, not see, that. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested what the listeners think because some of them have seen ahead on the episodes and I'm wondering if, if we're now talking about something that's completely outdated now by episode 15 or something that uh, mm-hmm. that you see the full reveal think, of who she is or what she does. Yeah. But, uh, I feel we must you, be because I do feel... <laughs> yeah, I, I feel we must be because I, I do feel that by episode 10, Oswald knows she works for Fish and surely that's just going to be used against Fish. It must be. Right, right. Like he'll string it along and do whatever he needs to do with her, manipulate her, get her to do what he wants mm. her to do um, or just tell Falcone, I don't know, like one of those um, things is going to happen surely yeah. now that he knows I feel. Interesting, interesting. Any other points on that? On Possibly, maybe. <laughs> Any other points? Any other points on Liza at all, guys? Um, I just don't like the 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 get up. Really? She was, and the guy. Okay, yeah, this is the the male, the red blooded male in me. 
Um, and I'm sorry. <laughs> is they they take they took her from what could have been a biker esque. I don't know. It's all to do bring her back yeah, to make yeah. her look like the mother. Uh-huh. But um, from what we what we assume with Falcone, uh, anyway, he he does have an additional. Uh, oh, again, the comic books say he has this larger kind of soiree. So putting a bikeress looking or the, how she originally looked mm-hmm. in a nice cocktail dress could have worked. I think trying to make her more prim and proper with the the innocent doe-eyed look. The mm-hmm. lavender smell. Sorry, yeah. lavender. Like, would the... you ever fancy someone that smelled like lavender? Like, <laughs> <laughs> just... Exactly. It's like potpourri. Yeah. <laughs> Falcari's from a different generation. Yeah. People remember this. But as you said, Yardley's lavender well. town. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Lardley. As you said in an earlier podcast as well, he's very he's very intelligent and he mm-hmm. hasn't gotten where he is and stayed where he is like by being really gullible. And you, wouldn't you see that coming a mile away? Absolutely, that girl looks like my mother. Yeah. Maybe somebody's She's setting me up. She's to her favorite song, and who knows a lot about my mother? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like she that. smells like Yodley's lavender town. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think if that's uh, if that's everything on uh, on Liza, I think we're on to Chris for his uh, his final point about Gotham so far. Yeah. It's it's Easter eggs, yeah. And this is uh, myself and Derek. Mm, Easter <laughs> eggs, less chocolatey, more comic booky. Mm-hmm. This show is packed from the opening episode where we see the clock tower for Oracle, which or for a sec. For those who don't know, the Jim Gordon's um, apartment has a large clock in it. Uh, later on in the Batman universe. His daughter becomes Batgirl and mm-hmm. is crippled by an unknown assailant who we all know who actually is, but I don't want to ruin it for people. Um, <laughs> and then becomes a wheel, wheelchair-bound hacker supreme called Oracle and works from that, what we can assume is that room called the Clock Tower. Mm-hmm. And that was there. Um, it's a great little Easter egg, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's it's, uh, it's really really surprising that they put something as, uh, as specific as that in the first episode. Yeah, it's quite cool, though. Yeah, for nerds. Sorry. Yeah, and then the Venom. We we mm-hmm. uh, Venom Viper became Venom. Venom is Bane's uh, drug of choice, yeah. and they even made it aerosol like, so they could tie it into slightly if they wanted the the Chris Nolans, That's right. like the painkillers. And I have just I have hundreds of like these <laughs> that I've loved. Um, uh-huh. Just the, there's the penguin hiding in the freezer mm-hmm. with ice all around him. So that was like the iceberg lounge. Yeah. Um, and then Blue Man's pig face mm-hmm. for Professor Pig. Yeah. Um, and then I think I spoke about it very quickly. Blue Man dressed up like the shadow. Yes. And yeah. harking back. And then there's been words of Dick Dick Grayson and then used in the same sentence so that you're like, they, they just yeah. use word Dick and then they use Grayson and that's going to be Dick Grayson yeah. and Robin. Uh, it's this, there's even, and I think now I'm going to put it out there. Okay. And I'm not sure. And please, please write back with your theories or comment back. Um, the gold silver box. Okay. Oh, that's yes. Selena, which is very pointedly shot onto the camera. I've been trying to work out what this is, so I'm fascinated what this theory is going to be. It has an owl on it with wings. Okay. Oh, very good. Which so, the Court of Owls. Yeah. Right. And I think they will bring the Court of Owls in it. Because mm. we already know that the Wayne Enterprises board is slightly corrupt. Well, not slightly corrupt. It is... Run to the court. Right. So I think we're going to start seeing elements of the court of owls come in because you could take a very 
less kind of court of owls from the comic books, mm-hmm. but make it more of a dark mob esque mm-hmm. like rich aristocrat kind of you um modus operandi. Yeah. So in the comic books, the Court of Owls are in control of Gotham. They're in control of pretty much every single element of Gotham, from the police to, to the to the mayor to um, to every single head of of Gotham uh, in the city. They have some form of control towards them. So it's an interesting idea that they could be the background behind everybody else that's behind Gotham, I suppose. But it's also it's manipulating everything from the shadows, so that's people it. aren't aware of their existence. That's their their thing. Is that it's almost an unknown evil presence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That so it might, be, it might um, be a season two idea. Yeah. I think I wonder whether one of the Easter eggs. I still. I think we mentioned it for the episode two, mm-hmm. where the kids in Quill and Farmer, where they were being held, and there was this big, there's this big shoot down, presumably to the sewers, and there was a green, there was like a green sort of light coming up. I'd still wonder whether there's Killer Croc. Right, you were fascinated. You can't the Easter wait. egg there. Yeah. Um, and even then, you've got the doll maker, which we now know has been cast. Mm-hmm. So there were some good Easter eggs, I think, in that. But I think that would be a really nice one if they could somehow get Killer Croc into Gotham. But it's probably too early within yeah. the timelines. I know they've got to be careful about timelines, but it was just trickling down, trickling down the hole, um, you know, and get rid of the the evidence. This yeah. idea that the the killer crocodile would snaffle them all. <laughs> Absolutely, Irene. Anything you've seen from uh, from the first half, and uh, with regards to kind of Easter eggs that you were intrigued about by? Um, the only thing I'm going to say that nobody has said already is um, mm. Poison Ivy. When they were talking to Ivy, and Selena seemed to know her, and I was going, "That'd be brilliant if they brought her up." Because yeah. the little the little face on her. Uh-huh. When, <laughs> I know it's the Claire Foley that plays her. She's. Just, I just thought she was great. Yeah. She's was, she was kind of like really, really normal chatting away and then she's like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's great the way she did. I love that face. I'm sorry this isn't a yeah. video a video podcast, but just for that look, Erin did a great, great care for <laughs> there. Excellent. But they, with Ivy, they say in, oh God, I can't remember which episode, when she actually says that she's been, she got put upstate with a new family. Mm. Yeah. So the one bit that no one, what we knew had to happen at some point was when she changed her name. Yeah. yeah. So that she became Poison Ivy, that, that traditional name. So I think that's where they'll get the, the new name and she'll start saying that her new name is X, Y, and Z. Yeah. yeah. Um, my my favorite biggest one, and only because I'm reading a comic book at the moment called Starman, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic one if you get a chance, read it. Some of the best comic books I've written. Um, <laughs> Fourth and Grundy was used in the pilot. That's right, that's right. That's which a, is um, obviously Solomon Grundy and a nice nod there, um, who in theory could come in because he's just a, he was a, well, he could be used just as a, a monosyllabic henchman mm-hmm. that we don't find out much about, but just calling a guy called Grundy there yeah. would make me. Do, have, have we learned? Have we learned the the name of uh, of um, of Penguin's henchman, the really hulking guy that uh, that sits around with the penguin? Maybe that's Solomon Grundy. That's a, that's a, that's a possibility. Good, good catches, Chris. Good catches. Uh, I have one more point on my uh, on my list for my uh, for my top four. If everybody else has uh, has finished theirs, yeah, cool. Um, my one point, and I can't go an episode without mentioning them, is uh, is um, the major crimes unit. Um, Rene Montoya and Chris Allen. I've loved what they've done in the first ten episodes of these characters. Um, we read all of Gotham Central, as a lot of our listeners know. 
just before the series started, and they'd, they'd become very, uh, very central to to my interests with Gotham. Uh, we were reading it for the show, and we were really hopeful that they did something with these characters. What they did was fantastic. They started out the show with a really good back and forth between uh, between Crispus Allen and um, and Harvey Bullock, where essentially Harvey was uh, was shown to be a terrible cop and hated by Crispus Allen. Having Rene Montoya be be connected to Barbara Keane and have that triangle between uh, between Barbara Keane, Rene Montoya, and uh, Jim Gordon has been great during the season. But having them start to investigate Jim Gordon and then turn around and be on his side and be the one that saves him from death from from definitely death by Victor's eyes was a fantastic moment one of my favorite moments of the season uh, I love what they've done so far and I'm hoping to see a ton more uh, as the as the season the next part of the season plays out uh, and again I'm being argumentative okay Montoya yes okay Montoya is the character's been fleshed out perfectly mm-hmm. um obviously with her lesbian side um, the comic book fans will know that she then goes on to be the sidekick slash love interest of Batwoman. Uh-huh. So I think we may get a bat- her new, later on, her new girlfriend may actually be named after Batwoman. So that would they introduce her at some point as well. Okay. I think that would be a nice fun Easter egg again. Well, her current, girlfriend, uh, current girlfriend's named after Batgirl, so yeah. you know, being Barbara. Yeah. 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 So, but... Um, I hope she doesn't date her daughter. That would be really weird. I think, Christmas aside... Um, character hasn't been he just not fleshed out right and i i think if anything we're going to see less and less and less of him really Uh, and obviously they'll 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 probably use that they'll name drop the two of them in the conversation Mm -hmm. but i think we'll only see montoya for at least until until they get an episode which Mm -hmm. i probably won't be till the second season right i at this point i'd say and where they'll they'll come in the two of them will come in and be the the central point and have to work with Jim. It mm-hmm. could be in the second half. Oh, I'm really hopeful that it will be. They are. They are. Remember, they are um, uh, full members of the cast. So, uh, so it's quite likely that we will see them get a bit more to do, or or see them a bit more in the second half of the season. They're. Uh, they are. Their their names come up at the start of every single episode. So, yeah. uh, so I'm hoping that they're not. Uh, they're not. They're not sidelined. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing some more in the second half of the season. You be hopeful. I'll be doubtful. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Any other thoughts on the on the, the major crimes unit? Well, I'm I'm with you. I just think um, it was great that as soon as I heard that they were going to be these two characters were going to be in the show, and we had been looking at Gotham Central and seeing how they um, how their characters were drawn in, in Gotham Central, I was so pleased that they were in the show. I think <clears throat> to disagree with Chris, I think the point of Christmas Allen is that he is loyal to a fault. I think that his reason for being there is to be the loyal detective partner to Rene Montoya, who, you know, finds herself in difficult circumstances because she is um, a lesbian on the force. She's got um, a relationship with Barbara Keane. So for me, that's... I agree he's not necessarily as fleshed out, definitely, as as Raymond Montoya is in the show, but I think his role so far is to be that loyal sidekick. And there is also then the suggestion, I think that Donald Logue mentioned, was that they were former partners um, previously. But I hope that they do stick around um, for the the rest of the, the season. I think 
if the MCU is being introduced, it would be difficult if it's now dropped. With no, there needs to be some explanation. They can't mm. just drop an entire unit that was so central in the first half of the season. But yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to see how they they play. But also the other members of the GCPD. I think um, Captain Essen. I think Zabrinia Guevara has really come on even more and more. She's she's much more of a character than she was in the first few episodes, mm-hmm. and I really like her sort of balance of the politics and. And Jim's annoyance to like her superiors. I, I love the way she sort of balances those two. And um, I want to see more of Harvey Bullock as well. Like the Spirit of the Goat really was great for me. And even just seeing that there's a Detective Alvarez, um, mm. played by J.W. Cortez. That again, those GCPD members have potentially got some really great stories that can be played within the wider Gotham it, with introducing different uh, sort of uh, villains um, I think it was really good. I, I love the way that initially for Montoya and Alan, um, Oswald was their kind of snitch basically that I thought was a really good little um, aspect Touch. of them as well Yeah, yeah. absolutely um, I'm just being argumentative. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Irene, do you want to tell us what you're looking forward to uh, from the next half of the season? Um, I was going to say that Harvey as well. Harvey and Jim's relationship, more if they get back together, if they actually get to stay being partners, and hopefully they do. Um, and then another, it's not really GCPD, but mm-hmm. uh, Edward Nigma. Oh yeah, I, I really like that they've started using him more, and his he's. Like really good to watch. Like he's kind of funny and obviously in a dark kind of a off the scale <laughs> way. But um, you know when he's answering the quiz questions to himself, even that little bit. Thought that right, really that good. was really good fun yeah. when he was uh, yeah when he was dissecting the the uh, the cadaver. Wasn't yeah. it? When he started answering all the questions before the guy had even finished asking. Yeah, that was that was a good fun little point. Yeah, he's been made yeah. full time cast member now, hasn't he? Definitely. Yeah. 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 He is. He is full time. So we'll definitely see some more of uh, more of Edward Nigma. He's a he's a good little character. He's had some uh, some ups and downs for me in some of the earlier episodes. The the mug with the question mark on it when. Uh, was yeah. a bit too far but I could see what they were doing they're trying to have to highlight some things that everybody will know I suppose but yeah. um, but I, I like the actor I think the actor's doing a really pretty good job I would have preferred if they had to use the Riddler's real name Edward Nor- Norbert Norbert uh, I see you can't remember maybe they couldn't I think it's Edward <laughs> he, he, he changes his name mm-hmm. uh, in the comic books to Edward, Edward Enigma so when he becomes the Riddler later on Yeah. so I would have preferred if they had to done more less of a nod to me, because he could have been, he could have been that complete curveball. Right. Just having him named Edward, and then dropping these crazy hints and kind of that he he likes riddles, and you could have done a lot more with that character. Mm. But that yeah, I that would I would prefer. But I am happy as well that he's he's going to be in it more. I think he's yeah. going to be. Yeah, I think they'll they'll show his darker side in the next half as well. Yeah, it's definitely he's one of those people that yeah. Hopefully, wouldn't work with that often, but like you know, <laughs> where you're kind of going, you're you're on the edge, like right. you know, right. everyone, you're like morning, right. you know, he's like morning, Jim, and there, and Jim's the only one that says good morning. Yeah, like, do you know, like he's trying, and he's trying to obviously get connections going to people, and it's going to end up like the horror film May. Nobody <laughs> responds, and it all ends horribly. I think the thing I like <laughs> as well is just that they've pl- really played the long game so far with him. Like they've not exposed him too much they've you know had him there when he's needed to be yeah and gradually yeah yeah yeah. um, and hopefully then from 11 onwards it will get 
bigger and bigger. Right. I think it's even just the fact that we now, you know, his his role may will get bigger and bigger. It's even just this idea that the doll maker was mentioned in episode two, mm-hmm. and we know he's been cast. That that will come out again. You know, this underlying presence that doesn't need to be necessarily mentioned all the time, but mm-hmm. it, it, it's there, harking back that connectivity between different episodes. Yeah, I think it's really good. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, Chris, what's your what are you looking forward to for the future of Gotham? The comedian. The comedian. The comedian. Okay. Um, I, I love Easter eggs, and I loved how they have shown, and they've already said that the showrunners and the, the writers have all said, "Yeah, we're going to keep giving you hints of who who could be the 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 Joker or where his origins might come from." Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's a lot of different whether they want to go New 52 style or whether they want to go back to the original or one of the movies, mm-hmm. how they'll make that con- Joker. But I think some of yeah, some of those teases have been fantastic and it, it always will keep me watching of what I want, of how I can see it. So the comedian on the stage in the pilot episode, the mm-hmm. Harley Quinn burlesque dancers. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's we, the, the guys on who are listening from the States will know that on social media there has been uh, definitely a, 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 a smack-in-your-face hint yeah. of possible who one could be. Yeah. Um, we talked about that quite heavily on our one of our most recent episodes. Cameron Monaghan has been cast in, in a role that that is very likely to be a, a version of the Joker. Um, we, we did our podcast about that uh, a couple of weeks ago, and... Uh, just to throw one back a little bit towards you, Chris, uh, I specifically said we will not see the Joker on the show. We may see a character that will grow up to be the Joker, but we'll never see the Joker on Gotham. So just for yourself, just I'd love to hear your opinion of, of whether you will see the Joker or not. We will. We definitely will, because um, they have, uh, the, the, the guys, the sh- they have released a trailer uh, recently to show that the Red Hood mm-hmm. will be coming in the future, and they've cast him. And as a lot of your listeners will know, the Red Hood was one of the original incarnations of the Joker before he went a bit comedian clown-esque. He used to wear it uh, to run as a more mob boss style. Mm -hmm. So we know that he's going to be in. Do I think he's going to be the Joker? No. Right. I think what we'll see is one of his underlings uh, in that episode will be uh, hinted to. And I think then they'll keep bringing him back. I think he'll end up joining one of the mobs right. and just being this crazy, crazy guy. Um, but what I would love, what I honestly would love, is a left of field. Mm-hmm. So someone who's been in the show, or is probably introduced after episode 10 or 11, or sorry, after, obviously after episode 11, who's going to be in the show for a couple of seasons. And uh, you'll have things that will look like other people are the Joker, but... Mm-hmm. Actually, in an episode, they'll just blatantly throw a left of field, and you'll actually see him with a clown mask in his bedroom or something. Right. That's what I hope. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Or else it's Harvey Bullock, one or the other. <laughs> That'd be too left of field. <laughs> John, do you have something that you're looking forward to for the rest of the season? More Alfred and Bruce, please. Um, <laughs> I loved what was promised about Alfred in relation to him being ex-military and so on, and we saw that in Lovecraft, where he was suave, sophisticated with Fish Mooney. Double um, Alfred. Exactly. Um, he knows how to handle a gun. He teamed up really well with Harvey Bullock. To me, that shows the the extent to which Alfred can be really fleshed out beyond just being the butler at Wayne Manor and being, um, you know, obviously we know him from that, and then as his 
partnership with Batman. But that's obviously down the line and not for this show. So to see him do that in Gotham with other members of the cast was really good. And I loved the way his relationship, as like Irene's mentioned, and in fact we've all mentioned his relationship with Bruce and how that dynamic's been over the course of the season. So I really want to see how that develops um, more. I think um, it's something that could be really, really good. Um, I don't kind of know where it will go, whether you might team up with Donal Logue a bit more, whether... Yeah, maybe that's um, maybe that's uh, that's Harvey's new partner now that, uh, now that Jim's been assigned to Arkham. Maybe, uh, maybe Alfred might turn up in the GCPD. So I, I really, I don't think that will happen so okay. much, but I do want to see how the two of them sort of develop in terms of their kind of like guardian and um, or protector relationship with the young Bruce. And I want to see them both out in the city of Gotham, the wider city of Gotham more. Because again, even when Bruce was out at the Gotham Academy and that whole um, interaction with Tommy Elliott as mm. well, Cole Vallis... Plays in there. Yeah. Then that I loved as well. That really sort of, again, develops um, the young Bruce Wayne. And I think David Mazous as well has just been really, really good. Really standout character. Um, Irene Hunter, what's your thoughts on more Alfred and Bruce? Yep, they were on my list as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just think whether the relationship will settle more into like the way it's been for the last couple of episodes. But then you see, even in episode ten, like it's it's different again when he thinks he's in danger and he's really protective of him. But they don't go all zappy zappy when they find each other. Absolutely. You know, it's yeah. A lovely drawn, lovely drawn piece between the two of them, wasn't it? Yeah, and really, yeah. really enjoyed that as well. I I agree. I want to see more of them, and I think we'll get more of them because of Bruce's wall of crazy theories mm-hmm. yeah. and that we've seen a couple of times I think Alfred's going to start investigating with him so hopefully we'll get to see more of Wayne Enterprises and maybe a young Bruce going to board meetings because mm-hmm. we now know that the board is quite corrupt mm-hmm. so I'm hoping to see yeah double O double O Alfred yeah. so yeah. we'll see him in his bringing the young Wayne into these meetings and helping him navigate the the, the craziness of enter, the Wayne Enterprises but then I think, hopefully, or I hope that, yeah, we'll get these team-ups as well, which is an interconnection, which a board member has been involved in something shady, and then right. Gordon and Bullock investigate, and unfortunately Bruce is captured again, mm-hmm. and then Alfred <laughs> must get in. <laughs> Very good. You see, Chris is writing episodes for us and everything. Well done. Give me a job! <laughs> uh, one thing I think we've all kind of talked about it, really, the one thing I'm really looking forward from the for the next half is, is honestly just getting more connected and tied in episodes. They did it a couple of times, and one thing I do know, obviously we still follow the news, we still have hundreds of people on Twitter telling us about episodes there that we're not seeing yet unfortunately but we do know there is definitely a two-parter coming up in the second half of the season which I'm really looking forward to seeing an episode that's spread over a full episode that's spread over two weeks it's going to be great to, to actually see something like that and um, you know the ones that have let me down are the ones that, that are the standalones in the first half of the season so the more the things connect the more the things that the whole of the city of Gotham is built up uh, is going to be something that I'm really looking forward to uh, March can't come quickly enough for me, definitely. Uh, guys, I think that's uh, that's the overall points about the first uh, first half of the season so far. Yeah, everybody happy so yeah. far? Great. I think that's everything we wanted to talk about for the first half of the season. Listeners, thank you very much for listening. As always, you can contact us at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. 
um, please email us in your thoughts uh, about the first half of the season and your hopes for the for the next half uh, as soon as you want to. Remember, you can subscribe or follow us on iTunes, Player FM, or Stitcher, or any other good podcast catcher. Yeah, you can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at Gotham TV Podcast. And I want to say a very special thank you to Irene and Chris who, are, who joined us for this episode. Irene, do you want to uh, want to tell people how they can find you again? Um, I'm on Twitter at Alby A I L B Y. I'll be part of the Defenders podcast as well. Excellent. And Chris. Yeah, you can find me um, on www.theeffect.net. That's T H E E F F E C T dot net. Um, or you can find me on Twitter as well at at Mr. Chris underscore Jones. Very good, very good. Aaron and Chris will be joining us for the Defenders TV podcast, a podcast about the Marvel Universe this time. We've done a couple of episodes so far. Um, it will start off with uh, the Netflix Daredevil series, a 13-episode show, which, uh, which will be focused on the character of Daredevil. You can find us on iTunes at Defenders TV Podcast to listen to the first two episodes so far. Irene and Chris are going to be joining us for um, for the actual episodes that are of of the Netflix show. We're really looking forward to having you guys on board for uh, for those episodes. Thanks very much for listening, everybody, and come back and join us again when uh, when the show starts in March. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. Thank you. Cheers. Gotham TV Podcast. Do not cross Alan and Montoya. <laughs> Um, I'm just being argumentative. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. I'm not going to stop saying excellent, excellent, but we'll leave that one here. Excellent. 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 <laughs> 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 Iron and Chris will be joining us for the Defenders podcast. Uh, the Defenders. God. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much for listening. Yeah, thanks so much yeah, for listening. On. Is that okay? Yeah. Everybody happy with that? This is my city. <laughs> 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 <laughs>